Scoop Duck and High Five. My name's Matt Bagley, joined by a under-the-weather Justin Hopkins. And I know he's apologetic over that. I'm apologetic over the sound quality. As you can hear, there's a lot of noise and stuff. Uh, this is the webcam <laughs> above my desktop computer. Reason why is the most important cable in my broadcast setup met its maker this morning. And, uh, and I just now found out. So I got to make a Guitar Center run before the next pod. Till then, we're just kind of rolling with the punches today. Just like the Ducks this week. As they gear up for a game that, as a co-worker said, they probably should be playing this one in November. You probably don't want to play the defending champs in a top 10 team this early in the year. But that's what Oregon has on tap. And that's the... Uh, the foe, the Ducks, will try to vanquish this weekend. Let's start with the big burning question, my friend. I, I remember asking this when Mario Cristobal took the green and yellow to Columbus last fall, and I get to ask it about Dan Lanning and the troops headed to Atlanta on Saturday. Can Oregon win this game? Well, um, they can certainly win it. So, I mean, I think if anything has taught us, you know, that Ohio State game probably taught us to never say never, if you will. And so I don't want to say they can't, but I think I'm on the opposite side of your argument that you would like to play Georgia in November. I think, you know, now's your chance. You're going to catch them still figuring some things out on their own, um, you know, probably going through some personnel stuff. Obviously, they've got a new defensive coordinator now with Dan Lanning, the head coach in Oregon. So, you know, I think that this gives Oregon its best shot at maybe catching lightning in a bottle, maybe catching them by surprise. I think Oregon was able to catch Ohio State by surprise last year. Um, but that said, I think I think that this Georgia team is a, is a better team. I think that they've got a, a, an absolute ton of talent. Uh, I know it's labeled a neutral site game, but it's barely uh, anything short of a home game for, for Georgia. Uh, and, that, and that's fine. So, yeah, do they have a shot? Yes. Uh, do I consider it likely that Oregon wins? Not so much. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the approach that I have. I think that, you know, it's a new Georgia team. That's, that's great. You could take advantage of that. But it's also a new Oregon staff. And, and while I'm confident in the staff, right, I, I think Dan Lanning, if you look at the adjustment he made between the SEC title game and the national championship game, I think Dan Lanning showed that he is an elite adjuster uh, in game strategy. I think he's shown he's an elite recruiter. And if you don't believe me, believe the 32 NFL teams that all picked up every highly touted Georgia defender on that national championship team uh, in, in April's draft. And, um, and I think that the staff he's put together – with an aggressive passing attack uh, from Kenny Dillingham and a a really fun, you know, violent defense from Tosh Lupoy. I think that staff is going to be really good, but early in the year, new staff, new team, I, 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 I think that they can keep it close. I don't expect them to win. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, it would be a pleasant surprise. I know I didn't pick Oregon to beat Ohio State, and I got egg on my face for that one. But, uh, you know, as such, on, on Tuesday on Scoop Duck, I posted my prediction, and, uh, you know, I had, I had Georgia 
winning the football game. So, you know what? If the Ducks want to prove me wrong and throw right. some more egg on my face, I'm here for it. Yeah. Like, and honestly, before we recorded this, I told you, I said, hey, let's make this like the Ohio State pod. Because I remember we both doused that fire, right? Like, like there were people saying, oh, yeah, Oregon can win this game. And if you talk to the players, the players all believed, you know, we can win this game. We can really compete. But uh, we didn't want to get our hopes up. And I, and I think as fans, that's natural, right? You're, you're going to have the people that say 12-0, unbeaten season, book your tickets for the natty. Uh, but I've always taken the other approach. It, it's, it's better, I think, to, to expect less and receive more as a fan. And so, yeah, we said they're going to lose to Ohio State, um, but it felt really good being wrong. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, on the heels of that, we've all, and, and from talking to people that actually cover Ohio State for a living, I think we've all kind of identified that truthfully, and people are going to have a tough time swallowing this pill, but just go back and look at the tape. Under Ryan Day, Ohio State has gotten a lot softer. They're not as tough in the trenches as they used to be. They're not as powerful. Uh, they don't stack up as well against the run, uh, which clearly Oregon uh, saw that and went after it. So credit to them for that game plan. But, uh, you know, and, and that's all hindsight, right? Like we look back and like, well, yeah, that, that, that is, you know, mm -hmm. reasonably co correct. Uh, that's not the case for Georgia. <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody's, no. nobody's looking at Georgia and thinking, man, Kirby Smart's got these guys getting soft and, and they're getting softer. And it's like, no, uh, that, that is definitely not the case for Georgia. So, um, you know, I think if you're Oregon heading to Atlanta, Obviously, you play Georgia. You're not, you know, you're not walking in saying, yeah, these guys have gotten soft. We got a shot here. I, I think Oregon felt that way. I think people have have continued to feel that way about the Ryan Day led uh, Ohio State teams since. And I think some people do believe that part of that is the fact that he's want to coach in the NFL. Um, he had his his hat in the ring for a lot of jobs last year. So it's clear that he's trying to get to the NFL. Um, and usually, I guess, as as Oregon fans can attest, when your head coach has maybe one eye somewhere else or one foot out the door or, or whatever the case might be, as was obviously kind of the case with Mario Cristobal last year, um, it usually doesn't end up well for your team. So it seems like that might be something kind of haunting Ohio State a little bit as well. Now, that's the first time I've heard that, that Ryan Day was looking elsewhere. But but it, it kind of makes me chuckle a little bit, just the irony that the 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 colleges that NFL teams are valuing and emulating, I think about Nick Saban at Alabama, how his scheme is is seen in the whole Bill Belichick defensive tree. They all play with the Bama rules defensively and how they do man to man, um, or, or or even some of their fronts. They'll they'll straight up copy plays from Bama. Um, you see that with Bama. You see that with Georgia, all their guys go to the NFL and immediately are plugged and played into starting lineups. And then Ryan Day wants to be in the NFL, can't be in the NFL, and he doesn't have that NFL-style defense where it's built inside out to protect against the run game. No, not at all. Clearly, you know, he's done a good job of getting wide receivers to his college and developing them and getting them ready for the NFL, but... Um... Yes, in terms of that tough smash mouth defense, that SEC style defense, uh, he certainly doesn't have that going for him, uh, at least not right now. And, 
yeah, so like I said, I, I think Oregon kind of taught us all last year that they were able to kind of catch lightning in a bottle. And, and really, I think they kind of identified that, you know, those Ohio State teams aren't the same that they were under Urban Meyer, at least from a physicality standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but again, uh, that's not going to be Georgia. No, I, th- I think we both agree about that. And and now that that big picture question is out of the way, right, the, the real hanging fruit, who's going to win? Um I, I want to ask you about something you wrote over the last couple of days. You had a piece about what if Bo Nix is the Oregon starter? And then today you followed up on Scoop Duck with a piece on what if Ty Thompson is the Oregon starter? Who do you think will be the Oregon starter? I mean, I think it's one of those worst kept secrets in the building, right? I mean, it, you know, there. I'm not picking on Ty Thompson because it's not fair to pick on Ty Thompson. But to this point, what we saw from a limited Ty Thompson uh, viewing in 2021 and from what we've seen at the spring game, I don't think anybody looks at either, you know, either of those performances or stats or whatever and says, hey, this guy's ready. He's the guy. I mean, from the spring game alone, it was clear that Bo Nix was head and shoulders ahead of him. Uh, He was a lot more efficient. His deep ball was better. Um, Just all those things. And not to mention there's a super important element to this. You, you've got, you know, a really good, tough SEC style defense in Georgia uh, that, you know, basically on the road, that is, you know, for Ty Thompson, a guy with the lack of experience that is throwing, you know, a, a sheep into the wolves, right? I mean, that's just, if that's his first start, that's absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think you can make the same case last year that, you know, why does Oregon start Anthony Brown? And, and it's, you know, much the same. You've got that experience. You've got that comfort. You're not going to get rattled on the road. Um, I think those were, you know, some of the biggest reasons that, you know, Anthony Brown was easily winning the starting job last year. So, um, you know, for me, it's, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Bo Nix is going to be QB1 uh, in Georgia this Saturday. But I also want to follow that up. I don't consider that an indictment on Ty Thompson. I mean, it's just he, he needs more time to develop. Right. I don't think he I don't think he got the full, you know, development treatment under Mario Cristobal and his staff. So, you know, ultimately you could almost look at him as like a red shirt freshman, if you will, maybe not a guy that's been in the program for a couple of years. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of a conversation we had last season after the Ohio State game with uh, one of your moderators and, and a guy that has done a lot of good writing for you at Scoop Duck over the years, QB11. I remember him saying something to the effect of, if you don't start Thompson now, after the Ohio State game, after they cleared that hurdle, you have to give him a start before the Georgia game because you can't start him with his first start before the Georgia game. Um, you say that Nick's over Thompson right now is not an indictment on Thompson. Is it an indictment on the previous staff? Um, no, I don't think so. I think partially, I think a little bit. I don't think Ty Thompson was, uh, you know, developed as well as he could have been. I do think there's some truth to that. Um, you also got to look at Bo Nix. I mean, this is a guy that would be basically Oregon's highest rated quarterback commit. Uh, coming out of high school if he'd committed to Oregon. Now, you know, Dante Moore would have taken that from him in the cycle, but, you know, it means that Bo Nix is a really good quarterback with a ton of upside. So this isn't some three-star guy out of nowhere. Um, You know, he had a pretty, 
he had a pretty solid career at Auburn. And I think that that's probably going to sound a little bit crazy, but I think if you look at this Oregon team and the pieces they have on offense, he has the most weapons he's ever had on an offense uh, in his college career. You know, I think Oregon's done a really good job of, of with the younger guys that they have and then with the transfers that they have, you know, breaking in Bucky Irvin and Caleb Chapman and Chase Coda. All those guys are going to be very critical components, you know, for Bo Nix this year. So, um, you know, I think those are those are some of the reasons. I do think it's both, but I think it's more so the experience of Knicks and the talent of Knicks. Okay. Well, uh, I, I had questions there because um, I know the quarterback battle matters. Oh yeah. The the other the other big one is just this depth chart as a whole. You know, they they haven't announced starters for the game yet. Are are there any positions uh, that that you're curious to find out who's actually going to start on Saturday? Yeah, I think the biggest ones. Uh, you know, obviously, you want to see the starting line uh, for the offensive line and kind of see who's there. I think you got a pretty good idea of some of those guys, but but maybe not the complete starting five. So I think that'll be one that fans are tuned in to. I think, I think, I think who starts at quarterback and, or I'm sorry, excuse me. I think who starts at running back and wide receiver will be of interest to people. But I think a lot of these guys, um, you know, will play. And so, you know, let's say Bucky Irving starts it at running back. And everybody wonders, hey, where's Byron Cardwell? Where's Byron Cardwell? Well, he's he's still going to get his touches. He's going to be out there. I think who starts is is kind of a, a minimal idea. You know, does does Dante Thornton start at wide receiver? Or do they go with the experienced Chase Coda or Caleb Chapman? Um, you know, again, I think all those guys are going to be on the field. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of who's designated the starter. And I, I want to say this, and I made a joke about it. So those were some of the ones on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, defense, I think it's kind of – I think the guys that start at safety are relatively cut and dry. You know, you got Bennett Williams back there and Jamal Hill. Um, you know, some of those guys that have played before. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that Christian Gonzalez is going to lock down that cornerback one spot. You know, I think there's a bit of a battle who's starting opposite him. But, again, you'll get multiple guys out there. Um, you know, so I, I, I think there's some – interesting position battles but not anything that should be too surprising uh if that makes a ton of sense so um yeah that's kind of where i'm at with some of the depth chart battles i i do think this too and i and i said this and i made a joke about it on twitter earlier today you know everybody's up in arms about oh there's no depth chart there's no depth chart and the the media can't seem to wrap their head around it uh i don't know if, if people forget but the last two or three years under Mario Cristobal, half of the depth chart said or next to every position. So <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. really know how much of a depth <laughs> chart where we get. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Dan Lanning can do the same thing and put out a depth chart that says Noah Sewell is going to be a starter with no or next to it. Well, no kidding, right? right? I mean, we all know, we all know that that's the case. Um, and he could do the same thing, you know, uh, Bo Nix or Ty Thompson or, you know what I mean? He could do the same thing Mario's been doing, and we wouldn't have any better uh, insight into some of those battles um, than we do right now. So I, I think, you know, some of the media is making a really big deal about something that, honestly, we should be used to by now, to be frank. Well, you know why? You, you know why we're, we're griping about this, right? Um, I'm not sure. Free content. You, oh, That's well, all yeah, it is. That's all it yeah. is. Like, like yeah. if they give us the depth chart, we can write about the depth chart or we can talk about the depth chart. We can do videos on the depth chart. And if they don't give us the depth chart, 
then we can write and we can talk and we can make videos about how pissed off we are that we don't have a depth chart. That's right. all it is. It is. Yeah. It, I, I agree with what you're saying, but on the, on the heels of that, you know, I think you could really prove what kind of an insider you are by posting a depth chart, you know, based on your sources or what you're hearing or what you sure. see in the practice. And you know what I mean? There's, but I, I get what you're saying. You're probably right. Yeah. And, and I, I've also, I, I, you know, me, we, we've, we've talked about this for years and I've always complained that I, I think schools aren't transparent enough. Like, I don't, I don't think that if you were to give your depth chart to yourself or Matt Prem or James Crepia or whoever, um, that, that Georgia really gains that much of an advantage because Georgia has spent all off season preparing for this game. Right. Yeah. So, so they don't need to worry so much about the depth chart because they've prepared for every player they could possibly face. They've prepared for Ty Thompson. They've seen his tape in the spring game. They've prepared for Bo Nix. They played against him in the SEC for years. Um, and, and that's true for, for everybody that could be on the two deep. So I think teams are always hesitant. And you see, like, Oregon State always has done this, where they'll never, ever reveal info until, like, three days before the year. And then it doesn't matter because they get blown out in the opening week. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and Oregon, like you said, with Mario, it would be a bunch of eithers and ors. And it's like, Mario, who cares? You're playing Stony Brook or you're playing, you know, San Jose or Fresno, right? Like, we're not we're not going up against Alabama here. It's not the national championship game. You don't need to keep everything so close to the vest. Uh, that that's my personal view as a fan and as a member of the media but i i think the fact that every school does it and every staff does it like you mentioned really makes it a moot point dan lanning might be a little untransparent right now but so was his predecessor yes 100 percent. yeah this isn't like a dan lanning only thing this is like you said this is everybody doing it um, I'm like you, I don't really see the competitive advantage in it. Um, if anything, I actually think that it, I actually think that it's a disadvantage for your own team. I think right. that it, right. it helps, it helps those players knowing, Hey, I'm the starter. I'm the guy. This is what I need to do. That they've you accomplished know. something, right. That yeah. all their yeah. work, all their work has led to something. That's a good thing. Yes, I agree. I, I, I think it's a bigger, you know, disservice to your own team than any competitive advantage, you know, with another team, but I'm not a high profile coach. It's not my team. It's Dan Lanning's job. It's his, it's his check. It's his butt. So I guess he's going to do it that way. And I really, I, I frankly don't care, but that's my two cents on it. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's nice to talk about something else than realignment for a change. I, anything no, else, <laughs> anything else you want to hit on? Cause I, I, I'm doing the zoom recording. Because of that dead audio cable, I have to go back to the worst program on the planet. And I'm not sure how long Zoom will let us record before it boots us out. I think we were getting an hour before, right? I think we've done it a couple of times and we got an hour. because I we had so. Like, we had guests on and we were like, is yeah. it going to cut off or, or not? But yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, obviously today, uh, just before we recorded this, there was a little bit of news about, you know, conference realignment stuff and the big 12 entering negotiations and, and, you know, and then ultimately, you know, the, that's not really true or it was going to be next week, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, it seems as though it's kind of been a, a lot, a whole lot of standstill on that front. And, 
you know, again, I don't think that's something that we'll have a good handle on for another couple of couple no. months, really. No, I, you, you wrote about this when the world first started turning after that USC UCLA bombshell. You wrote about this and, and a lot of the national guys have written the same thing. And I think it's right on the money. Notre Dame controls all the cards right now. And yeah. and so when Notre Dame makes its decision, then you will see some more realignment news. But I think right now it's it's a lot of guys on the fringes. And I'm talking about, you know, the random Twitter accounts and the, the random blogs out there trying to get clout. You're going to see a lot of reports, a lot of smoke, but there won't be any fire until Notre Dame starts the fire. And then, and then to your point, and then once Notre Dame actually does make its decision, I think it'll get a violent shove. You know what yes. I mean? It's going to be like, yes. you know, it, it'll be, you know, all those other three schools join or whatever the case might be. I think the picture will become much clearer all the way around. It'll get, oh, yeah. you know, we'll see a, a big wave of, you know, changes with that one thing, but you know, yeah, like like you're saying, until Notre Dame makes its decision, which right now, I mean, I know everybody's jumping on every word and lit, hanging on every thread. All these guys are doing are, are just posturing and trying to call each other's bluffs and, and get more money out of any deals or, oh, we're comfortable being independent. Like, sure you are. You're going to take half the money to stay mm -hmm. independent. No, you're not. Just, right. I mean, like, you know, but of course, they're not going to come out and say, we got to, you know, we got to join a conference for viability that cuts off their, you know that cuts off their ability to, to hedge with the network. So um, yeah, I think just everybody needs to take a deep breath. Again, we just got to wait for Notre Dame. And once that shoe falls, then we'll kind of get a really good uh, right. view of what's going to happen. Right. And, and for them, it's, it's, I think there were a couple of factors at play. The, the money, obviously I've said all along, the money is going to be the primary driver for everybody on both sides. So the schools and the networks. Um, but Notre Dame also has, you know, some special considerations to factor in. They are the only major independent program in America, right? There's a handful of other independents, but they're all minnows or they're service yeah. academies. And, and Notre Dame has always flaunted the idea that because they are a major independent program, they can not only choose all 12 opponents right which is helpful if you want to load your schedule with a really big uh difficult schedule um, but it's also helpful for notre dame because they can basically travel america so like like they've got the game in ireland right um but then they've also got you know, games where they go down to Florida and games where they go down to California and games where they go play one of the, the, the Texas schools or games where they go to Atlanta or games where they go wherever. And when they do that, as you know, awfully well, being a recruiting reporter for so many years, <laughs> Notre Dame uses those trips to recruit. And, and I think that's something that they are going to factor into this Big Ten deal. Now, it's easier with USC and UCLA being on board because that's potentially two California trips every year for the Irish. But I think they are going to look at that and go, you know, do we want to give up our flexibility in recruiting to be able to travel to Cali and Florida and Texas where all the talent is? No, and that is a good point. But I think the, the more important, bigger point is the fact that you know, I, and, and, and their, their uh, you know, their president, their AD have said the same thing. We want to be able to make sure that we're able to make a, 
you know, have a chance at the playoff, have, have a chance at the national championship. And I think if you're the Big Ten and the SEC or whatever, and you really want to like put the screws to them, you could basically say, look, as an independent, we're not really going to give you the look that you think you deserve. You know, they could, they could easily really, in my opinion, they hold the truck card because of that, because we both know, or at least I think we both know it's headed towards two super conferences. Mm -hmm. Those guys are going to control who's in and who's not in. I mean, that's, it's that simple. And, you know, they'll, they'll cut out the NCA and say, well, we're just going to start our own championship or whatever. If push comes to shove. So. Yeah. I think, I think that's the Trump card that has yet to be played or maybe it's been played, you know, privately, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see. I, I think Nord- I, I just, I think remaining independent for Notre Dame is probably a very uh, bad move, but you know what, that's, those are big, big, big time decisions and I'm not a, a president or an athletic director. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think long-term they will make the move. They will join the, the big 10 super conference. I just think they're, they're uh, crossing the T's and dotting the I's first because yeah. because of those extra considerations. And then also, you know, you have to factor in what the boosters want. And I think any other school, like I, I, you know how Oregon fans feel, right? If you were to pull duck fans right now, I think duck fans want to join that big 10 super conference by and large. Um, or they would want the PAC 12 to stay as it was with USC and UCLA, which is a pipe dream, probably not ever going to happen. Um, whereas I, I think if you pulled Notre Dame fans, I don't know if a majority would actually want the big 10. I think that some boosters might actually prefer independence just because of what it means for the Notre Dame brand historically. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's going to take them time. I don't expect anything soon. I think there's going to be a lot of smoke on Twitter. Um, but I, I think you'll see by November or December, as we, we get closer to the end of the fiscal year, uh, then I think you will see, you know, serious movement in their direction. And then, like you said, you know, there's going to be a bang and then there's going to be a blast of yeah. of all of the follow up that will come out of that. So, you know, if Notre Dame joins, who else is going to join the Big Ten? And, and is it going to be three schools or is it going to be four schools? Um, you know, then that has impacts on the Big 12, because I think a lot of people have pointed out that, that it makes sense for the four corners schools, uh, Utah and Colorado and, and Arizona and Arizona State to join the Big 12. Uh, yeah. And it makes a lot of sense for kind of the, the bottom of the Pac-12 North if Oregon and Washington leave, it makes sense for Oregon State and Wazoo to join the Mountain West. And then if you're yeah. Stanford, if Stanford doesn't get in to the Super Conference, it may make sense for them to go independent. Yeah. So no, that's, yeah. that's, yeah, that's fair to say for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, <clears throat> you know, in my opinion, I, at the news that came out today about the Big 12. Uh, entering, you know, network negotiations or renegotiations or whatever you want to call it has more to do with them getting ready for, you know, the leftovers of the PAC 12 and the big 12 to kind of come together. Uh, you know, that it has to do in any other way. I think mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I just got the, uh, the, the message from <clears throat> zoom, the meeting will end in 10 minutes. So these oh, better okay. be the 10 best minutes we've ever recorded. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you, ha- I don't know what you have left, but that was about all, about all I had. So who yeah. knows? The only thing left on my docket is five games. And so we probably don't have enough time because you know us, like if, yeah. if we get going, we got, we got nine minutes, 30 seconds left. If we go into five games right now, we'll probably finish game one and then run out of time. Right. No, so. that's, that's probably right. But we could, we could always do this. Uh, what are you what are you doing tomorrow do you think you can fight this virus off tomorrow we could do like 20 minutes yeah yeah should be should be able to do that okay so if you're if you're listening on wednesday wednesday night when this comes out uh we'll try to get another pod out on thursday and if you're listening later in the week obviously this doesn't really apply just just look for the next podcast that we do and uh and we'll try to get that out to you because i know with with my uh career changes i know we're trying to get two podcasts a week out and i think that's a good idea yeah if i you know just for the listeners you know ideally what we talked about was trying to do like a tuesday thursday pod maybe mm-hmm. or, or a monday thursday or or something thereabouts but right uh you know a a i was sick and and b i hadn't really thought about it until monday so moving forward during the season that'll kind of be our goal is to yeah. do something like that so yeah uh, we won't normally do back to back like a Tuesday, Wednesday, like we're considering doing this week. But that's again mostly because of of how I've been feeling, and I'm sure you guys can hear it. I'm I'm nasally, and I've got snot running down my nose, and uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I I feel for you, man. You know, I um, I, I as you know, I've I've had colds and been on the air. I've had flus and been on the air, and it's brutal. You know, yeah. people people don't realize like. You can take um, like throat meds, and but and that'll make you feel better. But then you can't speak, <laughs> right? And you can take decongestants so that you don't sneeze and snivel. Um, but then you can't speak either because it messes with your your nasal passages. It makes you sound like you're a a Smurf. So yeah. it's it's really hard. And then if you try to go cold turkey which I, I always used to do, like I would just chug a bunch of uh, Earl Grey tea with some honey and, and that would work, but I'd have to like just, you know, growler sized gulps of this stuff. I'd have to really chug it because I could talk for about 10 minutes and then my voice would feel like just stiff, awful. Right, right, right. No, it's definitely, I've, I've gotten, you know, dry mouth at this point. So I know that you know, the end is near for me in terms of, of this podcast. So, uh, but anyways, yeah, normally on a normal week, we're going to try and do like a Tuesday, Thursday or Monday, Thursday or something thereabouts and, uh-huh. and try to get two smaller pods out of week moving forward. Okay. All right, man. Well, again, I'm Matt Bagley and I, I apologize to everybody listening for the quality here. I had an audio cable that died on me and it was pivotal. If this, this cable was the thing that made everything work with my audio mixer. So I got to go to Guitar Center and get that replaced. Uh, Justin Hopkins is sick. I know he apologizes for his audio quality. I'm just thankful we get to talk. And I'm thankful we get to talk about the Ducks heading into the biggest game of the year. And I'll say it again. I don't pick them to win. I know you don't pick them to win. We didn't pick them to beat Ohio State last year either. If they beat the Georgia Bulldogs... And they shocked the world on Saturday. I will be grinning from ear to ear. I want to be wrong, and I hope I'll be wrong. Yes. Yep. Nope. It would be. 
it would make my my message boards much more delightful if Oregon won than if they got their butts kicked. So I'm definitely pulling for it too. All right. Well, I, I'm hoping that happens. And like I said, we're going to try to tape another one of these short podcasts. It's not my style. It's not his style either. We'll try to do another one of these short pods tomorrow where we share our five games we can't wait to watch. If you've never tuned in during football season, that segment is going to be a treat. It's my favorite thing that we do. Five games that aren't the Oregon game that we're excited to watch. We'll get that ready for you sometime tomorrow. This is Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Thanks for listening, and go Ducks.